0: Robert Mueller spoke to the public for the first time in two and a half years after completing the Mueller report and pretty much did it the standard government way. Also, Janet Guthrie, a pioneer in the racing world, an Indy 500 example for specifically, thought to talk about all the life of being a lady driver in that world in a new ESPN 30 for 30. And SpaceX has a lot more money, raising over a billion dollars through two rounds of funding, and they think they're sending folks to the moon. We'll see what happens with that, and we'll talk about that. But not quite yet. These stories big over the week, but not as big as the stories you told us were top ten materials. And we have some very large numbers and some very strange stories that made it in the top ten this week. So we'll get to them first in mere moments on the wrap up show with me, Jay Cliven Payne. And this is the show for the week ending June the first, two thousand and nineteen. And welcome to the show. Once again, my name is Jay Cleveland Payne. Once again, and pretty much always, that's my name. And this is The Wrap-Up Show from thisconversation.com and The Conversation Project. The Conversation Project is a website and a project that allows me the chance to get in touch with you guys. And you guys help me figure out what stories are the real best stories people really like to talk about based on a little bit of bias, as in first I have to kind of pick them and throw them into the social media, but you guys decide what the top 10 stories of the week are. So, we have essentially a newscast right here, about an hour's worth of time, and we're going to go through the top 10 stories in the first segment. The top 10 stories, as said by you, per a large amount of stories, 205 distinct different postings from this week. In segment two, we're going to go through what we call the Almost Irrelevant Story of the Week, which is the very last one in the pile, and it's normally a story posted on Thursday or Friday because it's so late in the game, it doesn't get a lot of love, and so it's at the very bottom of the point. So we call it Almost Irrelevant because it usually turns into be something that's pretty irrelevant, just gets missed out because it's posted so late. We also have in that second segment a housekeeping segment. We call it housekeeping because we explain some of the oddities and some of the things that we had to do to make the list come out to an even 16 or 15 or 10, if you want to say that way. And we do have some odd housekeeping to talk about today in the second segment. Segment number three is what we have, the rounding the top 15. Of course, we'll go through top the top 10 from 10 to 1 in this segment here. And then we'll go through 1 through 15, the stories that were not quite there, some of the stories you heard in the T's, and maybe go on to why they didn't quite push into the top 10. And sometimes it has a lot to do with the housekeeping. We have things called super stories where it combine headlines and the numbers and stats. That's not the case behind this week's need for actual housekeeping, and the housekeeping will get to that when we get there. So we'll talk about what it is, and we'll explain what we did to get to that. Little quirk of this week. But the real quirk of this week is basically you guys. You guys are the quirks every single day of the week, and you tell me what stories are bigger than the Chirons. If you're here in the States and you watch cable news, which believe it or not, most people aren't watching cable news, they just believe they are, believe it or not, because there's so much social media chatter, you get a chance to see more than just what becomes a breaking news story that literally is the only story they talk about all day long. That's what I do for a living, watch the news and keep up with the news and talk about news. So I have to watch a lot of those people talk about the same story all day long. But I want to hear you guys talk about different stories as well. So we take a link from various social media or various news sources and post them onto our social media all day long, different links. Every 50 minutes, we post a new link to a news story from a different place on either Twitter or Facebook on Twitter, you follow us at TH underscore Conversation. And on Facebook, look for This is a Conversation. And look for the blue conversation bubble. And make sure you set us as default in your feed so you can actually see us. Don't ignore us. We need to love. And when you see a story coming to your feed, you just need to interact with it that's that simple you like it love it hate it share it tell people about it tell me about it complain to me about it if you want to and the more engagement the story gets the higher it goes up in the rankings and we're on a very very big well of twitter responses this week and we'll talk about that a little bit in the housekeeping but uh, a lot of people loving us on twitter we saw some facebook love is great and of course i forgot to say at the end of the show in the second in the third segment we also have what's called shout outs which are exactly what you think they are shout outs to people who showed up in our social media feeds a little extra love for the twitter and facebook users so if you want to be in the shout outs it might get you something maybe even a gift card you might want to check it out and see how that works out so let's get on to the show we have chatted enough about what happens with this thing so if you want more explanation check out the website this is the conversation.com for more details including links to this week's podcast and other features so you can keep up with what's going on in the news and as we tell you often, every single story that we talk about in today's podcast will be a link that you can read further in the link for this week's podcast, which will be listed as wrap-up 0601. We do it for the date. So it's wrap-up and then the date, just like that. So you can find it at conversation.com With the little extra explanation we've had today, let's get into the actual countdown, doing it Casey Kasem style. I'm sure there's an actual name for that, but counting them down from 10 to 1. Starting off with a story that is an uh, we won't do the housekeeping part of this but but it was an interesting week where we actually had three stories we posted on mental health disorders and there were two mental health disorders that were now placed as official mental health disorders and one was a study that went and studied another one. This is one of the two that is now officially by the World Health Organization, A Mental Health Disorder. And you can guess why if you basically have a teenager or have a adult man who buys Call of Duty at midnight and then plays for three days straight. The headline for this one is, Video Game Addiction is now an official mental health disorder. Posted on Wednesday, May the 29th. And we've got the source for this is, website, blog, news site, whatever to call it, call Hype Beast. Uh, this is a few lines from that story, so you can get into it. As we said, you get even deeper if you go to our website, this is the dot com and click on the link for this week's podcast. Gaming has very much become ingrained in our culture as a modern day activity and form of entertainment. Just a quick look at the esports industry and Twitch streaming statistics but now you with most other things in life too much can be a problem and the world health organization has officially deemed it so adding it to international classification of diseases it reference books of all recognized and diagnosable diseases the who has classified video game addiction as a mental health disorder the description in the icd reads A pattern of gaming behavior, digital gaming, or video gaming, characterized by impaired control over gaming, increased priority given to gaming over other activities to the extent that gaming takes precedence over other interests and daily activities, and continually or an escalating of gaming despite the occurrence of negative consequences. While the threshold does appear somewhat low and vague, WHO experts of mental health and substance abuse, Shakar Sakina, assured... That only a small percentage of gamers will develop this disorder. Examples he gave include cases where some people would engage in video games for up to 20 hours a day, prioritizing it over meals, school, and even sleep, and just over any other daily activity. Here's a quote from him This is an occasional or transitionary behavior. That ends the quote. He also clarifies that the diagnosis for the disorder can be considered only if the behavior lasts for roughly a year. So maybe your kids aren't officially addicted like like heroin to your video games or their video games, but maybe they have issues with it. There's a big swing, a very small line between it's your addiction and someone who just wants to do it all the time. And so if you have a problem with candy crush, if you're still playing candy crush or any of those little st- small word games that keeps you late from getting to meetings because the five minute game usually ends up taking about an hour. Or if you're really, 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 really way into something to the point where you are just ignoring other things, the severity can be on your own, you might need to check that out. You may not have a true addiction, but you probably have some sort of extra love problem that needs to be addressed. So address it before you become someone that we're talking about with the World Health Organization or someplace like Beast. The story we have in the nine spot this week has a headline of this. Delta flight attendants seeking class action lawsuit over new uniforms. This was posted from TravelPulse.com. Because they take up the travel industry. We posted it on Monday, May the 27th. Oh, by the way, the number 10 story, Tuesday, May the 28th. Now, a bump in response that's how many more times this uh, this new story, the 9 story, was more response, responded to than the 10 story, more responsive than the 10 story, was 3.01%. Let's read a few lines from the story we have in the Travel Pulse website. It's only been a year since Delta Airlines rolled out the new uniforms for some. 64,000 employees, but complaints of skin rashes, headaches, fatigue, and other health issues have prompted a pair of flight attendants to file a proposed class action lawsuit over the passport plum garments. According to the Atlantic Journal Constitution, the suit was filed against uniform makers Land's End in the U.S. District Court in New York on Wednesday, but does not name Delta as a defendant. Delta flight attendants Gwyneth Gilbert and Monica crescent uh, are the two plaintiffs in the suit? Gilbert says she, quote, experienced rashes and skin irritations, that's unquote, from wearing the uniforms, which were treated with chemicals for the anti wrinkle and stain resistant properties. While De Secrentes De- De- said she has experienced adverse skin reactions, headaches, and a low white cell blood count since her new uniforms were rolled out last year. Go to the website and link. go deeper into the story or search for it and get the, the story from the Atlanta, Constitu- the Atlanta Journal Constitution on that one. But this is something that is serious. Chemicals in stuff that we wear, chemicals just anywhere, can be a hazard that we don't think about. And we're learning about that as we talk about the... Pluses, some minuses, the existence or non-existence of things like global warming and the things we put around us, the the, the chemicals, literally. And so, if something like this is affecting that many people, and there are sixty thousand, sixty-four thousand uh, Delta employees wearing these new uniforms, and it's not so much the color, but it's the chemicals, it becomes an issue. As noted, Delta Airlines is not named in the suit. The suit is not blaming the actual airline itself is blaming Land's End and their construction and use of what they needed to do for the actual garments. So check that one out if that one's one that really interests into you. People who are into lawsuits and things, how those work out, this is one that's really deep that you really want to get into. The wrap-up show and the data we use for the wrap-up show comes from a combination of the Twitter and the Facebook data feeds and we put them together. We weigh them out so that they come out to be apples to apples. Smash them together and rank them into ways with a couple of categories to put the top 10 stories or top this week 204 stories together just to give you a ranking from 1 to 204 this week, 205 this week. But every so often the numbers align, the stars are in the right organization, things just work out where we have ties. This week we have a tie, but that's not the really weird part about it. And we'll discuss deeper into how we break the tie in these stories they still get listed as two separate numbers one gets slightly elevated due to the factors we'll talk about later but the really weird thing about the tie is that the stories themselves are extremely similar uh happening in two different places but dealing with the same really hot topic we have right now and that is white supremacy groups so let's start with the number seven story first. And it is, uh, so both these stories get a bumper response from the eight story of 22.61%, that much higher in the seven and the six. The six is just a slightly elevated. We'll explain to why it gets a six rating and not a tie rating. But the seven story this week is Dayton, Ohio, KKK rally outnumbered by hundreds of counter protesters. And we posted this on Sunday, May the 26th. And this source that we have is from CBS News. We'll read a few lines from this story, and then we'll get to the next story and talk about how similar it is. Hundreds of counter-protesters demonstrated against an estimated nine attendees of a planned rally by a Ku Klux Klan-affiliated group in Dayton, Ohio, on Saturday, CBS affiliate WHIO reported. Dayton Police Chief Richard Beal told the station he was, quote, very pleased with security, noting that no one was arrested or injured. This clearly was a safety challenge for our city and our community, Beal said. City officials estimated that the cost of security measures of the event with nine KKK members was $650,000. That's according to Time magazine. The nine members of the Honorable Sacred Knights of Indiana did little talking, and when they did try to communicate, counter-protesters made sure they couldn't be heard. WHIO reported, all but one of the Klan members wore masks. Go to the website and see, go deeper into what's in there. But essentially, it goes into the story of what happened that day where nine people showed up for a Klan rally and about 500, 600 people showed up to yell at them. And all was extremely civil. There wasn't any craziness. This was not the large Charlottesville-type matter that we had you know, last year. This was something that was much, much, much more, much more... Um, engaging is not the right word but it's actually more accurate most of the times when these things are announced there's usually very few people in attendance for the Klan rally being a part of the Klan or the white supremacist group it is Klan being basically just one brand of it most times they're not very big and what makes it an actual event is that people show up to gawk people show up to counter protest and maybe some side organizations some bad actors show up to try to cause some issues between the two groups but it doesn't work very well the groups aren't anywhere near equally yoked and being nine to six hundred that's not an equal that's not equal fight that's not a fair game by any standard move from pretty much the north to pretty much the south and go to another place where something very similar was going to happen. We'll explain it as we get into the story. But as you said, this one is a virtual tie with the number seven story. So its bump of response from the number eight story is 22.61%. It is the number six story because it got slightly bumped up because of engagement on Facebook. We'll explain how that works, like I said, in the second segment. The headline, a longer one, University of Tennessee Police Prepare for a White Nationalist Event on Campus. This posted on Sunday, May the 26th. The source of this one is WKRN.com in Tennessee, their website. We'll read a few lines from this one so you can see just how crazy the similarities of the situations are. The University of Tennessee is ramping up security ahead of a white nationalist speaker event scheduled for Tuesday. Rick Tyler, a Polk County man who ran for the House of Representatives in 2016 and gained national attention for billboards that read, Make America White Again, is renting space on campus for an event he calls, White Nationalism, Fact or Fiction. In a flyer, Tyler said he is running for president in 2020 as a candidate for the American Freedom Party. He claims his address will, quote, shatter enduring myths that proliferate in contemporary America. Unquote. The event is scheduled from 6 to 8 p.m. on Tuesday, May 28th, in the Alumni Memorial Building. The university stresses that Tyler is not affiliated with the campus group or any campus group and was not invited on campus. So, let me go a little deeper into this. You can go to the website and click the link for the story and get more details and hear the newscast as reported from the story from the station. But essentially, Tyler is renting out space on campus, and the university cannot just ban people from renting space on campus for meetings. It's one, how they make profit, and two, it is a matter of free speech. They do state that they're reminding people on campus that this thing is happening, or this thing actually happened, and there were no issues as far as I can tell, and that if you felt weird about it, you could contact the police for escorts or just check out things or report strange activity. So that's what they had the heads up on. But they, number one, we're beefing up security for this event. We'll see what Mr. Tyler's platform is or how it goes about. He, I don't know what the American Freedom Party is going to pull for electoral college votes. But everyone has a right to run for president and have free speech as well. Everyone also has a right to be an idiot. We don't necessarily have the necessity to be heard, though. So that's the thing where he can be have those rights. He can say what he wants to in the public forum but no one really has to show up moving on to the number five story let me first state that i did fall in love with the original american idol before it became something that came out every four months and had 30 seasons and about 10 years worth of life i was a fan of the concept of the voice and liked where it went but this one is basically doing the same things i'm overall a fan of giving people a chance to show their talents but not a big fan of what i'm now calling and Maybe some people join me in calling this the karaoke shows, watching just people who have a lot of talent, but at some point the talent in all the shows just turn into a glut of copycats and really bad concepts and some good concepts that didn't have enough talent to do. Rising Star, I'm pointing exactly at you, although I would point a lot of the blame on Ludacris, and I like Ludacris, but he just... Didn't work out as a judge. Meanwhile, let's get into the story we have right here in the five spot, which is causing a lot of pain and suffering in the karaoke show world. Gwen Stefani to replace Adam Levine in upcoming season of The Voice. Posted on Friday, May 24th, this gets a bumper response of 7.8% from the six and seven stories. A few lines from USA Today. Trust me, I can read better than this. I don't know what my deal is today. Uh, From the story they posted talking about Levine stepping down from The Voice. John Legend and Kelly Clarkson are saying goodbye to their fellow coach on The Voice, Adam Levine, who announced last week he is leaving the show. The Maroon 5 frontman, an original coach since the show's 2011 debut, is departing after 16 seasons, host Carson Daly reported on Friday's Today Show. Daly serves as featured anchor for the morning program. He also is the host of the show. Because he has 20 jobs. Of course, many viewers will miss watching the frenemy relationship with Blake Shelton, Daly said. He's always been a cherished member of the voice family, and of course, we wish him nothing but the best. Daly said Levin would be replaced by Shelton's girlfriend, Gwen Stefani, who previously served as a coach for the singing competition in season 7, 9, and 12. You can go deeper into the story. It goes deeper into the story and the back and forth between Levin and Blake Shelton, which is a fun ribbon back and forth. They have a a special rivalry because they were the original host, both the original cast, along with it was um, uh, CeeLo Brown and I can't remember the other one. And I'm sorry, I can't remember the other the host was original at the top of my head. But you can see that all that stuff here in the story. Uh, but the the real kerfuffle is the fact that Gwen Stefani, who was Blake Shelton's girlfriend, boyfriend, girlfriend, boyfriend, boyfriend, girlfriend, uh, is coming back to the show after many people are really upset that Blake Shelton and Gwen Stefani's relationship uh, ruined their marriages. Plural. So you can get a little heat, a little hot and little undercover on that one uh, if you want to. But don't take it out of me. I'm literally just the messenger on the story. Read more but online if you really want to. And if you don't like these stories or if you hate these stories or if you want more of these stories, make sure you're following us on social media, on Twitter or Facebook so that you can make sure your vote counts into the tally. Facebook it is this, this is a conversation. Twitter, it is th underscore conversation. When I originally came up with the wrap-up show concept for this show, going on a top 10 basis for the weekly stories, uh, one of the segments we trailed out in was essentially randomish stories. We went through a long list of all the other stories we didn't talk about. We did the top 10, we had an interview, and then we had the stories that that just kind of randomly between You know, 11 to wherever. Because we don't have the time and capacity to really do great interviews these days, we created the, the almost relevant story part with the housekeeping and we just do five stories to wrap things out. But in the past, we used to go through a long list of all the people in memoriam on the week that we went through and listed everyone who died that week. This week we had quite a few people who died this week and were listed as stories here and they got some pretty great love from you guys in the listings but only one of them made it into the range that we were talking about today that's in within the 15 and only one of them is in the top five and it was a pretty big one I was surprising on how big it was but it might have been the timing it might have been the placing and it just might have been because there's a lot of sports going on this week so a lot of people were jazzed up on that main topic the number four story this week the headline is dallas morning news sports reporter jerry fraley dies at 64 saturday may 25th is the day we posted this a bump in response from the five story of 3.51 percent a few lines from um sports day the sports section online from the daily news website and we're going to you're gonna you're gonna love this one on a slow night in the early 80s, a message on the Astrodome scoreboard invoked baseball patrons to make some noise to the home team, inciting a visiting sports writer instead. Leaning out over the railing of the open-air press box, he bellowed, Clap, you sheep! Nearby reporter gasped, Who is that? Only one of the most respected sports writers of his generation. That's who Jerry Fraley was. Brilliant, dedicated, and gruff. A bonafide Breskin-esque newspaper character admired by peers, players, managers, coaches, umpires, officials, scouts, clubhouse attendees, at least one commissioner, waitresses in general, and a former president in particular. Fraley, who died early Saturday morning at 64 after a two-year bout with cancer, was a loyal friend, bitter enemy, loving father, and a ball writer's ball writer, according to consensus of nearly two dozen national colleagues. He also covered football, basketball, NASCAR, and various assignments over a career spanning four decades. Fraley's versatility, said his Dallas Morning News boss Gary Leaves, quote, is what separates him from his peers. Only a month before his death, he wrote the lead on the Stars Predators NHL playoff game despite his weakened condition and a tight deadline. Hit the button with a minute to spare, as was his custom. So as a person working in media it's It's always sad to see someone who's lost, period, whether it's just a job loss from a downsizing or it's something even worse like this, having gone through a bout of cancer with my wife and her being successful it. I know exactly what this is about I really do know because I know the pain and the hurt of going through all of the issues, all of the treatments, and in this case, unfortunately, this is a case that where it did not end out on the positive note. But there are so many people that he, he touched that um, Gary Frilly touched in his life from sports fans to friends to colleagues that he's definitely a person that will be missed and will be thought of very often for a long time when people pick up the Dallas Daily News or read it online or just read sports in general because they're so used to hearing his voice and things. They'll find ways to hear his voice in new commentary. So by sheer oddity this week, we had three stories of note that I posted about mental health disorders. And by sheer oddity this week, we had three stories of note that I posted about white supremacy actions. Only one of the stories from mental health made it into a talking point, something we're going to discuss here inside of the whole show, and that was in the top 10. Here, we had three of the white supremacy shows, three white supremacy stories, making it into the top 10. This one is top three, and this one is an odd duck of all of them, if you will. Here's the headline 4chan troll campaign makes the hashtag a white supremacist symbol. That's what they wanted to do. Tuesday, May 28th, the day we posted this one online, gets a bump response from the 4 Story of 11.65%. The story is actually posted from the Daily Dot, and because they keep up with internet ish stuff and things like that. So we're going to read you some lines from this reporting here. Members of the notorious internet forum 4chan have proposed a new troll campaign aimed at converting the hashtag into a white supremacist symbol. In a post on the poll, or politically incorrect message board, an anonymous user calls on his fellow forum frequenters to begin creating propaganda that incorporate the commonly used pound sign. Quote, we must start using pound or hashtag, to represent the swastika on memes and social media, the user states. Far-right campaign dubbed Bash the Hash, a play on the anti-fascist term Bash the Fash, aims to remove the ability of sites like Twitter to use the popular symbol. More quotes from the user. It will be a perfect win-win situation, the user adds. Either Twitter will have to accept blatant Nazism on its forum, or it will effectively have to find a way to get rid of the site's core mechanics. If you really are into things like this, or want to know why people are into things like this, Go to this week's website, go to this week's go to the website, click on this week's listing for the podcast, and you can go deeper into this. You can click on any link inside this week's listing for the podcast. It has all the links to all the stories we're talking about. But this is one that's just it's it's brilliant in its idea, but it's totally insane in the fact that someone would go through this much trouble to do something totally insane. Why the hate thing I can kind of get, because people have to hate somebody. But the the fact that they think their worldview is so, so important and needs to be so dominant that they go to such lengths to display it. We already had a story about white supremacists, the Klan, showing up for a rally to show their free speech, and then nobody shows up. This is the flip side of that, where somebody's showing their free speech, showing their will to say stuff, but using to pervert just the normal general speech of the world. I'm not sure why these people exist, but they do. Apparently they have to. You must have evil to have good. You must have things to overcome to do that. But I I don't understand why these people are so brilliant. Why are they not curing cancer or cleaning the oceans or finding the cure for global warming? Because they don't care about that. They just... Hate people that aren't white. I don't get it. So I guess I'm just gonna have to live with not getting that one. I'm gonna have to pump my brakes a little bit and go on to the next story, the number two story, uh, and get to it. And it's this is an end of an era essentially, uh, but not quite the end yet. Somehow, Sports Illustrated has survived through the very bad, very bad transition to try to make into digital media and now is going to make waves as a brand itself. Literally, headline. Sports Illustrated, the brand, is sold for $110 million. That's it. Tuesday, May the 28th, is the day we posted this, a bump in response of 104.9% from the three-story. Oh, yes, wait till we get to the number one story. That one will make you go bonkers. Our source from this story is the New York Times. This was a pretty big Business story and sports story as a secondary line for the past couple of days here this week. So a lot of people got mentions on this. Let's read from the Times and let you get know kind of the gist of where they were going with the actual story as they posted it. The intellectual property of Sports Illustrated, the magazine whose monumental covers and narrative voices have helped define American sports since its debut 65 years ago, has been sold for $110 million to Authentic Brands Group in an unusual transaction that suggests the magazine's most coveted assets is its brand. The previous owner, Meredith, and the buyer, Authentic Brands Group, announced the completed sale Monday night. Under the terms, Meredith will continue to run Sports Illustrated's bi-weekly magazine, and website, paying Authentic Brands an undisclosed license fee for at least two years. What Authentic Brands immediately bought was not the magazine itself, but rather Sports Illustrated's valuable intellectual property. The purchase covers the magazine's trove of more than two million images, its swimsuit and sportsman-of-the-year brands, the instantly recognizable name itself, and other assets. A news release indicated that Authentic Brands, a licensing company that owns the brands of celebrities like Marilyn Monroe and Elvis Presley, and clothing retailers such as Juicy Couture, will make money off the properties through its live events, esports, and sports gambling, among other things. The companies billed the deal as, quote, a strategic partnership. Now, this is a, a, a weird story in itself because it makes it seem like there's nothing worthy of Sports Illustrated other than its name. Literally, its name is the only thing worth anything in the business. And that's a sad thing, being that Sports Illustrated was something that was such a powerhouse of journalism and sports in itself specifically for so many years, especially in my youth. But as I said, they didn't do a great job of getting the word out that they still existed as digital media took things over. In fact, Sports Illustrated uh, essentially is, is a non-starter for most cases. It's, it's a stodgy old brand that still does good journalism, but old-style deep journalism. And the guys that are really associated with the Sports Illustrated brand name are the older people, not the younger folks picking up things or the younger brands doing a lot of things. Uh, this would be a totally different sort of thing if it was like Barstool Sports and all that was worth it was the image and in the inventory as opposed to their content, them only being around for literally a few years. But Sports Illustrated, I as, as I say, I'm always sorry to see a media thing go. And in the end of an era, Sports Illustrated, maybe it's time because there's too many media things. It's hard to not feel bad for the loss of an iconic brand except for the fact the iconic brand will still exist whether the writing although under the branded moniker will continue to stay at its level we shall see we essentially just shall see And now for the story in the number one spot. It's also the top Twitter story of the week. And by the way, I don't think I mentioned it, but the top Facebook story was actually the number six story with the University of Tennessee police prepping for the white nationalist event. That was the top Facebook story. So this one just tells you how massive the Twitter response was. And how massive was it? Well, let's start out by saying that this story gets a bumper response from the number two story of 166%. From the number 10 story, you'll remember that as a story on video game addictions now being officially a mental health disorder of 861%. And from the number 205 story, we'll tell you what it is in a bit. It's bumper response. It was more responsive. More people liked, loved, hated, shared, and jabbed this story at about 17,868%. And it's a story that will pretty much make you mad at the moment that I tell you the headline. So let's go ahead and tell you the headline. That headline is, "Adult Celebrated After Taking Foul Ball From Kid. That is the headline. That is what you guys responded to. That's what you guys really, 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 really got into. I'm sure a lot of people were just straight up hot about it. And that's what we're conning as our number one story for this week. This one coming from USA Today's For the Win column website, sub-site there. And it has pictures and stories and all sorts of hilarity ensuing on the story. Because we're a bit over time, we're going to let the story take care of itself. But essentially, this happened at the Big Ten Baseball Tournament at a day where not a lot was going on. Not a lot of people were in the stands, and a foul ball goes into the stands. And if you're an adult, you're supposed to catch the ball and toss it to the nearby kid. In this case, the adult fought the kid for the ball and won it and was pretty damn proud of himself. Check it out. The link is on the website. link to all the stories you talk about is on the website. And you can see uh, just how insane it was. And maybe you can explain to me why this one got so much response and why more people didn't just ignore it. Because I probably would have ignored it. I'm not exactly sure why this one caught my attention, but we popped it in there. Probably just to fill some space, and it definitely filled a lot of space in people's people's feeds this week. So there you have it. The top 10 stories as per you for this week. You decided from 10 to 1 which story was the most important to chat about that wasn't so much about Trump. Because there was a lot of Trump chatter this week. This week, you guys wanted to talk about another villain. And this, this guy who was snatching literally foul baseballs from children. So how do you make sure that we have more or maybe less stories like this next week? It's very simple. If you're not in on us as social media followers, do it right now. Pull out your phone and look for us on Facebook at this is the conversation. And make sure we are defaulted in your feed. You get a chance to see us as we go live with stories. Every 50 minutes a story is posted. On Twitter, it's TH underscore conversation. And on Instagram, it's this is the conversation as well. But there you'll get mostly the top five updates of the day and of course links to the podcast when it's released. So what you'll we'll see is as I said, stories every fifty minutes, and as they come through your feed, like them, love them, hate them, share them, do what you want to do to respond to them. The more response they get, the higher they go. This one got amazing, crazy, super duper response. Not, not the most amazing, crazy, super duperist, but pretty, pretty, pretty darn close uh, with what was going on there. So thank you so much for that. As I say, this exists for you, not for me. I just throw the stories out there. You tell me the ones that need to be highlighted. And that one got highlighted very, very bigly. On the way, we'll do the housekeeping and explain how a tie gets broken on this story. And we'll talk about the story at the 205 spot this week, the almost relevant story for this week, here on The Rabbit Show from ThisIsAConversation.com with me, Jay Cleveland-Payne. And this is for the week ending June the 1st, 2019. This week, we are spotlighting Warby Parker as our prime, our our great sponsors for this week. They're all great. They're all wonderful. But our prime sponsor, our main sponsor this week is Warby Parker and the service they provide. They provide great eyeglasses. They provide great sunglasses. They have locations around the nation where you can stop in and take good care of you in person. But what they're really famous for is getting people great looking glasses at a great price with the ease of the mail. They figured out that if you can get great glasses to people in remote places in the world, why couldn't a regular person buy designer lenses and designer glasses with great lenses at home without the same issues that you have by going with the optometrist and going the overpriced stuff and dealing with whatever? And here's what they do. They'll send you five frames to try at home for free. Five different frames to try on at home. So you can see exactly how they look, how they feel, how they action, how they function. You get five to try before you pay for anything. It's that simple. Go to our website, this is a conversation.com slash Warby Parker. This is a conversation.com slash Warby Parker for an extra special treat when you try their services. And if you have a location, check them out as well because those are awesome. But most people aren't near and nearby warpy parker don't want to deal with the hassle so they take the hassle out of it they give you great looking sunglasses great looking eyeglasses great support from the mail and they start off by offering you up five pairs to try on not just one five pairs to try on for absolutely free before you buy so check them out via our website this is the conversation.com and get yourself a great deal an even greater deal than the great deal they provide you. That's Warby Parker, who will take good care of you and your eyes. And we thank them so much for taking care of you because that takes care of us. This week we have a tie to talk about in the housekeeping. The super stories that we have fairly often are fairly often because more often than not there will be a bigger story or a leading story that turns into a lot of different updates that changes. Jesse Smollett's a fine example of a story that happened with many updates over many weeks so that turned into a whole line of succession of super stories. This week that didn't happen but what we did have was an actual tie and we have no control over that. As I say every single week in, out, all over this program, the numbers are determined by you. The stories are determined by you. The word they rank are literally determined by your response and non-response. So if a story pops up at the right time and enough people get into it, it turns into a big story. If a story pops up the wrong time, whether it's a very big time story or not, it doesn't get much love and it doesn't go very high in the actual rankings this week because of facebook and twitter because we do take numbers from two sites two numbers or two stories that were oddly enough extremely similar had a chance to add up to the exact same number And that were the two stories the earlier stories we had on the white supremacy issues uh, the starting off with the number st- story in the number seven spot about the dayton ohio kkk rally that was well unattended by KKK members, but overly attended by the counter-protesters. The other was the University of Tennessee and the police getting ready for the event happening on campus with the uh, white supremacist speaker. Now, the number six story, which that one was on uh, U of Tennessee, U of Tennessee, however you want to say it, uh, that was, of course, the top-rated Facebook story of the week, Uh, so it had a lot of Facebook love, not as much Twitter love. The flip side, the number seven story in Dayton had a lot more Twitter love than Facebook love. But when you add it all together, there was a actual tie in the number of responses. And both of those stories, as we said, had a large jump from the story ahead of it, the number 8 story. So that's how we had the tie. Now, how do we get a 6 and a 7? We don't just have a tie because it just sounds kind of weird in the count. Well, we take into effect, we take into account uh, the engagement numbers, the actual engagement ranks. We look at the impressions that people get, because so, some people can get this story in their feed because it happens to pop up in their feed that time. It's popular. A lot of popular things get put in people's feeds anyway. And some people actually engage with it. Some people click on it, read it, respond to it, like it, love it, hate it. We go with the Facebook engagement to give the actual boost to what's going on. And we just pick Facebook just arbitrarily because Facebook engagement seemed more engaging and more of a more dynamic number to rank from than the Twitter engagement. So with all numbers being equal, that Facebook and Twitter being equal together to an actual equal score, the Facebook engagement on the story at the University of Tennessee was higher than the engagement on the story in Dayton. And that's how the, the Tennessee story became the number six story, and the Dayton story became number seven story. We don't have a tie. That one was more. Now, if they were actually a literal tie, the next thing we go to would be, the day it was posted. So the older story gets first. And ironically, both stories were posted on Sunday, May the 26th, so that wouldn't have broken the tie either. If it went that far and it got stuck that far, we probably would have called it an official tie. or We may have just sort of flipped a coin and made it up. But we like to have numbers 1 through 10, not have ties, because it looks better when we look over the weeks and kind of keep up with stats. But that's how we had a tie. Well, we had a tie this week because of you guys, and that's how we broke the tie. The story with the higher Facebook engagement got the higher spot in the 6th spot over the story put down in 7. Now let's get to the story that's at the very, very, very bottom of the list this week, story 205. It is the almost irrelevant story of the week. It's almost irrelevant because... It doesn't get much love because of its ranking, but it turns to be something that's actually very interesting and maybe even relevant. It's just usually a later story in the posting. Posted on Thursday this week. Posted Thursday, the 30th of May, which is yesterday as recorded on Friday morning. So somewhere in the late feeds of last night, it didn't catch up to stories that popped in into the earlier feeds of this morning. So whatever it was wasn't quite as engaging as a lot of other things. And what it was is this headline. Hank Haney suspended from PGA Radio Show after sexist racist remarks. Posted on Thursday, May the 30th, as we said, we pulled this from USA Today. Here are a few lines from that one so we can get this one going. Golf instructor and commentator Hank Haney, who made several racist and sexist remarks about women's golf on his radio show Wednesday morning, has been suspended from the Sirius XM PGA Tour radio channel at the PGA Tour's instruction, according to a joint statement from the tour and Sirius XM posted on Twitter Thursday evening. Here is a statement, or the statement. Mr. Haney's comments on the women's professional golf were insensitive and do not represent the views of the PGA Tour or Sirius XM. The PGA Tour is committed to and proud of the increasingly diverse makeup of our fan base, not to mention the power and accomplishments of the James Games world-class global players, both on the PGA Tour and LGPA, whom whom we are working with, with more closely than ever before. Sirius proudly covers and supports both women's and men's golf and the athletes that make them great. The PGA Tour's instruction Mr. Haney has been suspended from the Sirius XM PGA Tour radio channel. Sirius XM is reviewing the status on Sirius going forward. The statement also had a statement from Haney, which, if you want to go to the website and click on it, you can check it well. But it basically said, I accept my suspension and apologize again. So. It's one of those things where a guy does something stupid, a guy gets smacked on the hand, and maybe on the butt, by his employers, and instead of fighting it because he didn't really believe what he said, or because he really is a mealy mouth kind of wimp, he accepted it, gave in what's going on, and will take the punishment there. Now, please don't go crazy on my uh, account on his taking the punishment and moving on because I think what he did was extremely stupid and I think what he did was worthy of the punishment. The problem is, many times, people do these extremely stupid things but get emboldened by the groups that they said it for and try to play up to their base. And that statement was said on purpose. People say things that are truly, truly... uh, ignorant and just just abrasive and think that because people like to hear that that's who they're playing up to when they don't understand they're playing up to a larger audience a more engaged audience an audience of in this case all golfers and golf fans ladies and women as opposed to just people who have deals and issues with the the lpga which sometimes these guys do so, with that, we're going to back away from this story and get ready for the next batch of stories in segment three. That, of course, is rounding out the top 15 stories, 11 through 15. Not quite big enough to make it into the top 10, but still pretty big on the world stage and your stage in the internets. And we'll do our quick shout outs right here, almost right now, after this quick little check in from the wrap-up show from thisisconversation.com with me, Jay Cleveland Payne. This is for the week ending June the 1st, 2019. My friends at In The Black Podcast have found a new fan, a new person to give them real love. So this little endorsement probably doesn't mean very much. But they did a big show a few weeks ago when they talked about D.L. Hughley and Mr. Hughley himself got a chance to listen to it, tweeted out some support to it. So those guys are probably way too big for me these days. Uh, So I'll probably never get another shot to jump back on the show. But check them out regardless because it's not about me. It's about great commentary. In the Black Podcast is hosted by three black D.C. area working professionals who are also family men who take uh, their time to go into current events, go into social issues, and they mainly affect black husbands and black fatherhood. But the show is universal, and you'll hear topics from a perspective that are, as they said, just professional men who sort of happen to be black and sort of happen to be fathers. And so if you have that perspective or don't have that perspective, you'll get a chance to hear what it's like from their view. And maybe you'll be won over or maybe you won't. It's a podcast that's not black inclusive, but it is definitely black viewed. So if you're looking for a perspective that you don't really necessarily want to really get into, they'll get into it. They'll teach it to you. They'll talk to you about it and what they say about their their other there are other race fans, uh, sometimes they laugh with you, sometimes they laugh at you. That's just how life is. But Big O and a crew with the black In The Back Podcast are doing their best to take keep things going straight, keep things going serious, and of course, keep things up with their newfound fame with Mr. D.L. Kugelik. I'm sure The Rock is coming in next and Barack Obama. And so like I said, I'll probably never get back on the podcast again, but listen to them regardless because it's not about me, it's about those guys check them out at in the that's in the or just search for it wherever your favorite pods are cast because they're probably there somewhere and check out the episode they did with Deal Hughley because or about I should say because it's a pretty big pretty hard-hitting episode check them out at in the As I constantly say, this does not exist without you. Literally, you guys put the words into my mouth or at least put the scores into the stories that I pick for the words that go into my mouth. So shout out to all you guys who showed us extra love in social media, showing us extra respect and extra love here and there on both Twitter and Facebook. Let's start off with the Twitter folks as well. We just talked about them in the promo section and, of course, in the Black Podcast, uh, giving great mention here as part of the showing us love in a part of this part on Twitter as well. They're also the guys follow me on Facebook, but the show is following me on Twitter, so I feel big time now. Also Jilly P, Webmind Systems, Heather Curtis. Some love to a guy named Jay Cleveland Payne. I don't know what's up with that. Jay Lewis, Brand Finance. Thank you, Brand Finance. Celia and Music Bot. Thank you so much. And we love the bots as well. Much love to the bots who show up on our feeds because bots are people too, sort of. Moving on to Facebook as well. These folks shows us love on the Facebook side. They liked, loved, hated, shared, replied to me, and they got their names in the notifications for me and my stats. Thank you so much. Going out through Ruth Ann Miller, also Lori Stewart, Just Breezy, call Prime, uh, also Karen Michelle, Wave Ellison, and some quick love to Randy Schillinger and Adele Carnes. Thank you so much for reaching out this week. And, all weeks so uh, in facebook seems like as i say usual suspects because the names pop up so frequently there are some people that are always into that giving me support i think you love those guys as well and I love you guys just for engaging slightly looking at it keeping up pieces of it uh, as we said follow us on facebook at this is a conversation and twitter th underscore conversation so you get a chance to get your say in for all that we do all that us being said so let's stop the saying or slow the saying down for the moment for me so we can get it done and get done with the rounding out the top 15 stories 11 through 15 for the week these are the stories that weren't quite material to make it to the end so they made it to the end. That didn't work out as dramatically well as I thought it was going to. But here are the stories that weren't quite good enough to be at the top, but were still pretty powerful, pretty strong, and got a lot of love from you guys throughout the week. Headline for the number 11 story this week Robert Mueller in First Public Remarks says, Charging Trump was, quote, not an option we could consider. As we said, the number 11 story that was posted this week, and it was posted on Wednesday, May 29th. Robert Mueller came out about an hour before he spoke to say he was going to speak in about an hour. He'd speak, it was going to be pretty extensive, but it wasn't taking any questions and it'd be what he was done with. And pretty much like I was taught to talk to speech, speaking, which doesn't work so well today. How I was taught for speaking and speeches in the military and for government type stuff is... You say what you're going to say, you say it, you say what you said you said, and you walk off the stage. And that's what he did. He gave a pretty brief but extremely detailed description of what he said he meant in the Mueller report. The biggest thing was he had the guidance based on prior testimony, prior uh, this precedent, that he was not going to come up with any sort of charges, so he wasn't looking for charges. There's no reason to say, I'm going to charge this guy with this thing when there was no reason to actually defend it. He couldn't actually have a court appeal to defend himself. So essentially, Robert Mueller gave Donald Trump the biggest out in the world. He let him save face. He gave him a chance to say, these are the things that weren't all that great, and Congress has a role to decide whether they want to push on with this, but I'm not going to say definitively do this. So while it was an out for Robert Mueller, who didn't really need an out, it wasn't the easy push for anybody else to jump onto to say, here's why we should impeach him. So Robert Mueller will probably still be called to Congress eventually. And one of the notes he said in his speech was he will essentially repeat what he said, which is, I wrote this big report, go check it out, you can see everything I said in there. And as many people said, pundits uh, of, of all sides said, essentially it's a show to watch Robert Mueller read from the phone book that is the Muller Report. And because people don't read, watching people read their own statements is a better way to get the information out there. Because we don't read. Muller said what he had to say and then he's walked off the stage and he wants to be done with us. We'll see how done he is with us in the upcoming weeks. The headline for the story in the 12 spot this week goes like this. Janet Guthrie, Pioneer reflects on Indy 500, Sexism in Motorsports, and ESPN's latest 30 for 30. Sunday, May 26th was the day we posted this one, and I'm very glad this lasted this long. Uh, not that I was really worried about that, but we had all those major ones at the top, and they went so bonkers in response. But this is a story when it came out that I thought was really cool. I'm not a gearhead. I'm not a big race Fan, big I'll watch a couple laps if it's interesting. And of course, because I am a sports reporter and former sports caster, I basically keep up with the stats as things go along. But this is a pretty big story to do, and it's pretty trailblazing for lack of a better word. In fact, that it's been covered in a 30 for 30. ESPN is where we source this out. And check out the link for this, whether you're just a gearhead, a car guy, a, a sports fan, a real indie car fan or just a fan of sports and, and the evolution of sports in general. Learning how things were for Janet Guthrie as she went through as being one of the few women to race Indy cars, especially way, way back in the days uh, when she was doing it in 77, how life has changed from then to now, how life hasn't quite changed from then to now, and just the very deep story that's there. It's a very detailed, deep story. You should check it out. Get more details on it from the USA Today article by clicking on the link from this week's podcast, or just look for the 30 for 30, either as it goes live or when it goes, they play forever ad nauseum once they're done. Story in the 13 spot this week is a happy ending, and we're glad we have more of these this week. And Not so much all the... We've had a lot of very, very disturbing stories with children dying and children just things happen to them lately this is one that turned out to be something that started off pretty sad a very sad story but a very happy ending headline seven-year-old girl found safe after nearly 24 hours lost in north cascades King Channel 5 is the source of this, king5.com, the the website for the station off on the West Coast. And we posted this on Monday, May the 27th. This one lasted quite a bit as well to the 13th spot. Let's read some lines from their coverage on their website. A 7-year-old girl was found safe after she went missing from a campground in New Haven, Washington and spent nearly 24 hours lost in the mountains. Gwen Dillstrom was with her family at the Lower Goodell Group site when she disappeared around 6.30 p.m. Saturday. The Whatcom County Sheriff's Office confirmed she was found just before 5 p.m. Sunday, nearly a full day later. As I said, this is a happy ending. I don't want to say rare happy ending, but apparently we've had a lot of those these days. Not so many happy ones, so this is a great ending. Check out the link for this whole story or search for it online to get deeper details. This is one where a very simple thing happens, something we all fear as parents, especially something like being out in the woods and with the stories you have with the hikers in the past, week the one hiker that was found after being lost 17 days and one hiker that was not found after being lost for a while in in Hawaii's forest. This is a great story. We're going to rejoice for that. We're going to pray we have more positive stories on these ends as opposed to the negative ones because they get really really hard to do. This is supposed to be a lighthearted show and sometimes the realities of life get in the way of us trying to convey lighthearted news. Because sometimes the really deep stories are the ones that are most important and the ones that you guys care about. And we care enough to give you those stories here. And be honest about it. I don't do any shifts to make it look better for me. If there's a story I like that's slightly below where it is in ranking, I can't talk about it. I talk about the ones you want to talk about. And this is one you also want to talk about, which makes me wonder exactly where some of your heads are. Pun intended. Florida bans childlike sex dolls. This came from, of all places, The Hill. It popped up in a feed as something that was fresh and new, and you guys thought it was fresh enough to keep up with it. We posted this story on the website, or, or in our feed should say, on Sunday, May 26th. I'm not going into the story, not so much because of the story. We're trying to work on our brevity here, as we've said, so we're gonna keep that down. So go to the link that's inside this week's podcast link on the website. This is dot conversation.com. Plus I'm kind of tired of clicking this link. It makes it look kind of a weirdo. But there are pictures, oddly enough, of that will explain this thing and goes in deeper into the bill that was signed to kill this. There is, yes, there is a market for pretty much anything. It's disgusting as you want to think it is. Somebody will buy something in that market. So it's great that people are doing their best to combat this, but now it's something you literally can't unsee once you see it. And the number 15 story, the final story in our countdown this week. Of course, there were 205 stories, and of those stories that we had... We only talked about 16. SpaceX raises $1 billion, over $1 billion, sorry about that, through two funding rounds. Posted it on Monday, May the 27, so this one, it it stuck around pretty well. And it makes sure we have the nerd factor in every week for something like this, although SpaceX is also kind of a business factor as well. We pulled a copy from this week from a trade called Space News, which has been out there 30 years apparently in some form. Now it's online, and it... Opens the line that SpaceX has raised over $1 billion in new capital this year as it embarks on the deployment of the Starlink Broadlink Constellation, according to regulatory filings published Friday. It's Starlink Broadband Constellation. I can't read that one. So, SpaceX is looking to put out its own band of satellites so it can transmit satellite coordinate satellite information and that's what they're doing so they're probably going to do it someone's paying a lot of money to help Elon musk's spacex uh platform work on its way so call him a genius call him insane what you want to he is getting things done when things aren't blowing up literally and figuratively of course And with that, we're going to uh, put the blow up, put the kibosh, put the whole shebang out on this podcast for this week. And I'm going to start the thank yous and of course I'll end with more thank yous. So don't worry, this is what I do. Thank you so much for being a part of This Is The Conversation, being a part of The Conversation Project and making this thing, the wrap-up show with Jay Cleveland Payne, a thing. And it only becomes a thing because you help us give us stories to talk about and the orders and the importance that they should go into and it's done in a very simple way doing what you're already doing spying on people on social media while you're spying on other people Spy on us as well because we're going to give you links to various news stories, to various news sources throughout the day, every 50 minutes, that is going to be more than just what's the breaking news Chiron all day long. Some are serious, some are silly, some are just really weird, and some I got a kick out of and I just toss them in there. As they come into your feed on Facebook and Twitter, like them, love them, hate them, share them, respond to them. The more engagement they get, the higher they rank up, and at the end of the week, we tell you which stories are the tops, the ones you really, really, really Wanted to have conversations about. Twi- Facebook, it is This Is The Conversation. Also on Instagram, This Is The Conversation. On Twitter, look for TH underscore conversation. And of course, our main website is conversation.com. Email us at inbox at gmail.com. And you can also talk to us as well. You can gripe and complain there as well. But trust me, we get plenty of those at that site. Find out more about me at net or email me directly at jcliffandpain at gmail.com. And make sure you are sharing this experience with others. Number one, make sure you're subscribed to the podcast so you don't miss out on the podcast. And number two, find someone out there, anyone out there, just any random person. Look to your left, look to your right, just grab them and then pull their phone out of their pocket. Back pocket, doesn't matter. Pull out the phone, ask them for the code. They'll always, they'll give it to you. And then you're going to load onto their phone your favorite podcatcher and this podcast so they have something to start off with. And then you hand it back to them. You say, you're welcome, because they'll be so so shocked and so happy they can't exactly form the words and say thank you. Then go down the street and find someone else. Look for friends, enemies, enemies. All the random strangers you can find and share this podcast with as many as possible. Ratings and reviews are cool. We love them because it tells us exactly how well and how not well we're doing. So please leave your five-star ratings wherever your pods are cast, wherever your favorite place is. Apple Podcasts is awesome, but it's not actually our top source. So don't feel bad if you're not on the Apple Podcasts. Most of you guys are not there as well. Biggest thing you can do, of course, is check out our sponsors at the website and make sure you show some extra love to our big prime sponsor this week, which is Warby Parker. And go to in the com and check them brothers out. And, but keep checking me out too. Don't fall in love with them and forget about me. Check those guys out. Those guys are the realest of real and are doing great work over there for the podcast. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you be here next week we'll do another full week of stories and of course we'll knock out what needs to be done for this full podcast so thank you for being with us here thank you for being us where we are and just keep the conversations going we're glad to have the best conversationalist a part of our gang a part of our tribe a part of our crew and we can't do this without you Thank you so much, and we'll see you next week. This is the end for this week's version of the wrap up show with Jay Cleveland Payne, brought to you by The Conversation Project, and this is a conversation.com.